I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are at Paranormal Chicks. Episode 305. You had some spiciness on the 305. Why is it so spicy? <laughs> Not that kind of spicy. <laughs> well, speaking of spicy, our freaking community Facebook page was very spicy about the school closures this week because of the rainy, icy, cold weather. Our local one? Yes. Okay, I thought you were talking about the podcast. No, no, no. Sorry, our community. I, I would have said our Facebook page. What, what did you say? I think I said our community page. Oh, okay. Yeah, our local, like, the area in which we live, that page where it's got all the people. I have never in my life seen people so pissed that kids are missing school. They're like, ooh, I looked in the snow and I'm from this state and we never got a snow day. And I'm like, yeah, because y'all get snow. Yeah. You're built for that. Like your infrastructure is built for that. Yeah. These kids aren't. Our roads aren't. Our school buses aren't. Yeah. I did see a meme that said, oh, cool. You get off for today, but this is what we had to do. And they're in the hall and they're like hunkered down. I mean, not for snow, but like. Yeah. I'm like, that's comparing apples to oranges. I know. That's but the it was thing. funny because I mean, it's not a bad thing that they get off for these dates. Like, yes. it's safety, but. It's just like progressed and people get mad because it's like, well, we didn't get off okay, for that. Okay, well, you also didn't ride in a goddamn car seat. And how many kids died of that? So, like, should kids not ride in a car seat now because you didn't? Right. Like, hello, we're learning. And yeah. I saw people be like, they should just wait in their house until the bus comes and then get on the bus. Because it was like, it's not just about the roads. It's about the kids' safety staying in the cold. I'm like, yeah. tell me you don't know shit about rural shit without telling me. You know how many places these kids have to, like, be driven to the bus? Uh-huh. Or they have to even just go to the end of their road for the bus, and their parents have to already be gone to work and all these things. Yeah. They can't just, like, sit and wait in their house in the warmth until the bus gets there and then just run out real quick. Right. Not how this works, guys. Yeah. It made me so mad. Like, I don't ever comment on those things, like, ever, because I just am just, I stay out of it. But I wanted to on that one. <laughs> that When they said you should just wait in your house for the bus, I wanted to be like... That's not everybody's story. Like, right. people get so mad and look at things because they're just looking at it from their lens and their experiences. And it's like, that ain't how it is all the time. Yeah. And again, we're built for heat. We're built for hurricanes. We're built for tornadoes. We're not built for icy roads when we don't have snow plows and, you know, the salt or whatever the shit they put on the bridges <laughs> and stuff. We don't, I don't even know what it is. We don't have that. Right. I know. Well, on that topic, but off of it, while it was freezing down here, I had said something like, well, I hope you're staying warm to a customer, whatever. And they were like, oh, are you in Maine too? And I was like, no, Mississippi. But it is cold here right now. And I'm not built for that. <laughs> I am. I'm built like a fucking beluga whale. Me too. But my body, like the internalness of my body, it's not. I think I said this, but Colby literally said the other day, I'm so glad I live with a polar bear. <laughs> because I just love it. Oh, God, no. You know what else I don't love, though, right now? My fucking skin on my face. Because you know what <laughs> I thought was going to be a good idea? I touched on this briefly on our Patreon live last night that we did for the Am I the Asshole? But that was when Donna realized she wasn't on her, like, she was on her Facebook page and not the Creepinati Facebook page, so we had to end it and this was lost. But anyway. Look, technology is hard. <laughs> Facebook always plays me with that. It does. But I saw a TikTok where this dermatologist was showing how just a little pea size of retinol will do you, you know? Well, what she was using, I was like, Colby has that. Like, he had some bumps on his neck one time, and I was like, Colby has some of that. Let me try it. It's Trentinoin. 
for anyone listening who oh, knows okay. that. I didn't, I didn't know my best friend became a pharmacist when she had all her damn skin shit. <laughs> oh, and it's 0.5 and whatever that means. And the girl in the video had 0.25. I was like, that should be fun. More's better, right? No. It's, it ain't. I basically gave myself a chemical pill. My face burns. It burns, guys. <laughs> I did it two days straight. Oh, God. Like, it's raw. Like, it is literally... Do you see this? Yeah, I saw it through the camera. I even had on a little powder last night. Oh, my gosh. It hurts. Like, my the side of my lip is cracked. It hurts so bad. I just know Lindsay in Michigan. She's listening to this, and she's fucking cackling her ass off. She loves skincare and mm-hmm. all of this, so she's going to be like, oh, Carrie, you poor unfortunate soul. Donna was like, did you use it? And I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's like, why did you do it two days in a row? I'm like, if one's good, two's better. No. It's not. She saw one TikTok. She didn't go down a rabbit hole, apparently, <laughs> and learn what to do. She was just like, oh, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. This is because she doesn't read instructions. No. And she didn't say, hey, Donna, read the instructions. Yeah, Donna's my instruction reader, and I... Went rogue, and I'm paying dearly because I got a burn on my face. Mm-hmm, you found I fucked around and found out. Yeah, can you not steal it from me? I fucked up. Okay. <laughs> I just was helping the sister uh-huh. out. <laughs> I don't know why I got real like southern or whatever I did. I don't know. Okay, so one thing that I cannot believe we have not touched on: me calling you and Tiffany while I was asleep because it's not that unheard of anymore. <laughs> It's just not. Tiffany had like a two-minute message of me serenading her with sawing the logs. And Carrie... <laughs> Picture this at like 2 a.m. I'm nice in my slumber. My phone's on do not disturb. And then here, Or whatever the fuck my ringtone is. <laughs> Cut through the silence. And I'm talking, I leapt off my bed. Answer it. I hear nothing. I'm like, Donna. Donna. I'm like, all right, she butt doubted me. It's fine. She's not dead. Hung up. Three seconds later, <laughs> the bitch is FaceTiming me. <laughs> so Colby's like, who is it? And I'm like, it's Donna. Like, surely she's dying, right? <laughs> I answer it. The screen's completely black because <laughs> she's sleeping. And I hear, because <laughs> she sounds like she's dying and she's sleeping. And the bitch has sleep apnea. So she snores and then stops breathing for four minutes. And so I'm like, Donna, Donna, Alma, check your battery. Like, Donna. And finally, she's like, hey, oh, um, hey. I did not do that to you. No, she's like, hey. Uh. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, are you alive? Are you okay? Do I need to come over there? <laughs> didn't she's make like, sense. I'm sorry. I'm like, you butt dialed me. <laughs> I fucking woke up to someone saying Donna. And I'm like, what the fuck is Carrie doing here? <laughs> Which is on brand, because I will just show up to scare you sometimes. (laughs) But not at 3 a.m., 2 a.m., whatever time it was. But also tell them that your sleep had already been interrupted. I don't remember. By Colby. Oh, yeah. He woke me up for a little hanky-panky. Uh-huh. I was like, damn, these bitches trying to keep me up tonight. (laughs) You know, we're twins. So, like, I don't know. My body was like, ooh, must wake her up also. (laughs) He can't one-up me. (laughs) The other day when we were about to do... What was it? It was one of our creeping on Like, it was one of the Am I the Asshole lives for Facebook. And I was just like, do, 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 do. <laughs> Remember? Because I used my headphones for it, but I hadn't put them on. 
Yeah. And I, I didn't have the screen to see you were up. And I was just like doing all that. Like I was watching TikTok or yes. something. And I was just like, <laughs> and I heard something. I was like, must be a kid outside. <laughs> Why are they out there so late? And then I hear what you hear right now. <laughs> Carrie got cackling. And it was her in my headphones. Like, oh, didn't know you were here. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm on a big ass TV. <laughs> like literally in front of me. But there was another, like Facebook was up, not Riverside or whatever yeah. we use for it. Also, if anyone knows anything about Riverside and wants to help us, thank you because it doesn't love Facebook with me, okay? Okay, one more thing about me being dumb, okay? So, because also let me just preface this, not preface, but like let me circle back around. I fell asleep with the phone in my bed because I was watching TikToks in my bed and that's why it was there. Not on the charger, not on anything and that fucked me up. So that's why I'm saying I'm dumb on that. So Tiffany's mom, we all like had lunch, like me, Tiffany, Carrie, and Tiffany's parents. And she was like, hey, we like the same stuff. You should watch Fargo, the series. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, I've seen that, but I thought it was just like a continuation of the movie. Haven't seen the movie, whatever. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's like an anthology series. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. So... At the beginning of each episode for Fargo, it says this is based on a real life thing. You know, like some things have changed for privacy purposes, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And so like I start because I'm like, oh, shit. okay, I love based on a true story crime stuff, you know. So I'm like watching it. And like by the fourth episode, I'm like, there ain't no way. How has Carrie not done this episode? Like it was as wild as the one you did the last time where it was like, she didn't have an identity and then she mm-hmm. did. And then the, like where I'm like, holy fuck. Like it's, and then that was this first season. But I was like, God, I have got to tell Carrie about this. Like, this is just wild. There's no way. And I'm like, but also how are they seeing, like, they're just having to make up what people might've done, you know, like whatever. Yeah. It gets further along. I think it's 10 episodes. So it gets further along. And I'm like, ain't no way this is real. No, it's not. It's a, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> they just do that for like the dark comedy, like, oh. like satire shit, you know? And I'm like, yeah. But like, it was like, huh. Because I'm gullible, but then I also, I'm like, man, I don't know. But then I was like, God, I really got to tell Carrie about this. That's so funny. So if you watch Fargo, just know that it's not based on a true story, even though it says it. But there was, like, no asterisk or anything to tell me that it was not. Well, in real-life horror news, okay, if y'all don't know the story of Joseph Fritzel, you have to go back to episode 46. So if you haven't listened to it, like, stop now, go back and listen, or fast-forward through this segment. Is that the Austrian pretzel? Yes. Okay. That's the one where— The title, I mean. Yes. He's the dad that kidnapped his daughter and held her for, like— 24 years. Creep Mom sent us a little screen grab and he is applying to be released from prison and sent into a nursing home. And basically he's saying like, he's so old and frail. He's not a danger to anybody anymore. So he should be released into a nursing home. No, the fuck not. He's 88. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Mm-mm. Nope. You kept your daughter hostage for 24 fucking years yeah. and had kids with her. Nope. No, you shouldn't. Right. The audacity of some people. I know. I was just like, surely not. 
Well, and then it got me thinking, I mean, he's in a different country, so I know it's very different. But then I was like, okay, who would even pay for the nursing home? Nursing homes are so expensive. So it's like, it's cheaper to keep him housed in a fucking prison than a nursing home because who's going to pay for the nursing home? Like here, it would be Medicaid, which is still tax dollars. And he's a piece of shit. So keep him in fucking prison. Yeah. So y'all let us know what y'all think about that business. All right, we're going to get into my story. So picture it. Bowling Green, Kentucky, 2004. This is all about Eric Brakefield. He was 22 and he was moving out of his parents' house. Their names are Kim and Bill. Now, at this time, Eric's younger sister, Ashley, and her husband, Chris, and their son, Gage, they all moved back into the parents' house so they could save up for a house. So it was a bit like musical chairs. That's what my mom would always say about me and Kenneth, my brother, because she would like go to sleep with one of us and then have to go to the other one and like sleep with them for a minute. And then it was just wild. You know, we're mama babies. Is that mama's babies? Whatever. So Ashley and her husband were moving into Eric's old bedroom. And then Gage, their son, is going to be Ashley's old bedroom. So I don't know if this was something that was prearranged or like when Eric moved out, this opportunity came up and, you know, whatever, because Eric didn't pack all his shit up and leave. He left some of his stuff behind, like from his childhood and stuff. So it kind of reminds me when someone, you know, like really does move out for the first time and they leave their room kind of how it is, just take the important stuff with them, you know, but whatever the case, he left like posters up on the wall his old gaming computer he hadn't played with in forever. And Ashley was like, oh my God, I can't believe he didn't take this with him. He was obsessed with gaming, like would barely leave his room sometimes because he was gaming. And Kim, the mom was like, hey, don't worry about it. It's not going to be Eric's room anymore. You know, I'm going to redecorate it before y'all officially move in and it'll be all good. Because Eric had his room like all dark and stuff. And honestly, it just kind of reminded me of how Tiffany's room was when she moved to that middle bedroom and it had like that dark purple and then it was just like no light in there and it was perfect for napping. I was literally just about to say that was my favorite room because it was dead center of the house. And so there was not a window. Why did I say it like that? But there really was no windows. And so two o'clock in the afternoon, you could turn the light off and it's fucking pitch black in there and mm-hmm. you could do some napping up in that room. <laughs> yes, you could. And her fucking fan worked the best I've ever had a fan work, okay? It was so good. That was before blood thinners when Donna actually could handle the cold. <laughs> True. All right. So while Kim's redecorating, she said that she heard something like whispering, but she couldn't make out the words or anything and she damn sure couldn't see anyone. But she was like, huh, who knows what that was? You know, shook it off, continued painting, all the things. Well, fast forward a little bit and everyone is moved in and it's one night where Gage is asleep in Ashley's old room and she's getting ready for bed in Eric's old room, her new room. And she said that she just felt like something was off. And about that time that she's kind of like, something's weird, I don't feel right. She heard Gage scream. So she went in to see what's wrong, and he was like, there's a man standing next to my bed. And she's like, what? And he's like, he's really tall, and he's smiling at me. And so she did the whole thing that parents do, you know, like, look under the bed, the closet, show him that the boogeyman's not there. It was just a nightmare. But Gage was like, "Uh uh-huh, 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 not having it. 
like not staying in this room. So he slept with them that night, which Ashley liked because she kind of always felt uneasy in that new room of theirs. So like having Gage there, it just helped her sleep. And that was that, you know, something so typical in childhood, you know, so it wasn't anything to be concerned over. But something kept nagging at Ashley. And she said that she just, again, had always felt like she was being watched in Eric's old room. But also, if you think about it, it makes sense because that was her older brother's bedroom. And I'm sure like when they were growing up, he never wanted her in there and all the things. And now she's in there, you know, that's her room. And like, it's taboo, you know? So there was one night that sticks out in Ashley's mind. And she said that she had been tossing and turning, just trying to sleep. And all of a sudden, she felt like she had stepped into a walk-in freezer. Like it was so cold. And she felt like someone was right there in the room with her. And Chris, her husband, is sawing logs, doing the Donna beside her. And she's like, what the fuck, you know? But she was just kind of frozen to the bed. And so she like scanned the room with her eyes, but she couldn't see anything. And finally, the feeling left. And so she just snuggled back up to Chris, felt protected by him, and finally got to sleep. Now, almost after two months of this new living arrangement, Eric decided to go out and spend some time with the family. He said, you know, it was mixed emotions for him going back home. Like it brought up a lot of good memories, but of course, also some bad ones. And I feel like that's normal. Well, everyone was excited to see Eric again, especially Gage. Now, Gage is like, I would say six or seven. Okay, I've been wondering this whole time. I'm really bad at ages. He could have been like five. I don't know. They didn't say, but I mean, he looked young. Gage really looked up to his uncle. And so as a treat, Kim and Ashley went into town and picked up some of Eric's favorite food. They picked up Chinese food. And while they were doing that, Eric was in Gage's room, you know, playing with toys And Gage had some of Eric's old toys and stuff. And so, you know, they were just spending time together. But that's when Eric saw some drawings that Gage had done. And he was speechless. So it was a tall, dark figure of a man. And Gage said that was the man he sees sometimes. So Eric was like, oh, fuck. You know, he just kind of kept it to himself. You know, like he didn't want to overreact with Gage. Right. Now, when the girls come back with the food, it's darker outside. And when they're driving up to the house, they said they saw someone standing on the front porch. They said he was very tall, dressed in all black, and it was like he was there one moment, but gone the next. You know what we like to say, vanished. Like a fart in the wind. That's right. But, you know, it was dark outside, so they were like, well, maybe. I mean, it wasn't like nighttime, nighttime, but it was to that point where, you know, it's a little... Too dark for sunglasses, but, you know, it's still like the sun's out, technically. Anyway, so they got inside. They told Bill, the dad, about seeing someone outside. So he took his gun out and, like, looked, but no one was there. So they were like, who knows? Maybe it's our imagination. You know, again, it's that weird time. Like, maybe we just saw a shadow or something. Who knows? But something that Kim knew wasn't her imagination was one time she was in bed with Bill and she felt something grab her legs under the covers. And when she moved, it was gone and she couldn't see anything. And so Bill looked under the bed and stuff just to be like, wait, is someone underneath the bed? Like, what's going on? I mean, hell, it could have been Gage, you know? Yeah. 
but she said like she felt the hand grasp around her leg. And so Bill was like, what do you want to do? I don't know. Because Kim was upset at this. And she was like, we need someone that we trust in. And, you know, Bill was just standing by. He was like, look, as a father, as a husband, I don't know what's going on. I can't protect them, you know. And Kim was like, something's up. So let's go to the pastor. And so they called up Pastor Danny Owens. And he came over to the house and he, you know, just got some background information. And Kim was like, I mean, if I have to pinpoint something, it really started happening when Eric moved out. Now, Eric was there for that meeting because Kim had wanted everyone there. You know, this was something really important to her because she wasn't feeling safe at her house. And even another sister, Amber, was there. And while they're all talking about stuff, Eric didn't really make eye contact or anything. And Pastor Danny Owens was like, okay, noted. That's odd. So later they had a talk outside on the porch where Eric confessed that there was something he's been hiding. He said that six years earlier, in 1998, he was 16 years old and he was in that gaming phase that his sister had talked about. And Eric said, yeah, he was obsessed because it was his escape from reality. It allowed him to do what he wanted to do, be who he wanted to be. And he became addicted to that. And again, he's from the same time like we were growing up and we've talked about it a lot, talking to strangers in chat rooms, you know, throwing caution to the wind. Like it wasn't strange to get a random message from a stranger. Like that's what the internet was, right? So one night when Eric received a message talking about a new game that this person wanted him to check out, he didn't think anything about it. So it was a role-playing game and it was centered around heaven and hell. Like, the objective was to beat the devil, and it was supposed to be, like, fully immersive. And at that time in 1998, like, fully immersive is not what it is now, but still, for the time, that's, you know, it's going to be, like, cutting edge. So Eric was like, yeah, that sounds interesting, cool, cool, like, hit me up later because I'm logging off now. And he really didn't think anything else about it, you know? He was 16, he was too obsessed with, you know, being emo, like, he didn't have a lot of friends, He struggled at making good grades. He really felt like there were those people who walked in the light, who got all the good things in life and just had it easy, you know? And I feel like that's typical. I mean, hell, I still will do it sometimes when I'm down and stuff. I'm just like, God, I wish I had it easy, like blah, blah, blah. But I mean, everyone has their own struggles and stuff. But you know, I mean, he's 16 years old. Anyway, so back to Eric. There is this cheerleader. Her name was Marnie. She was the most popular girl in school. She dated all the jocks. She came from a rich family. She dated rich people, you know, and all of that. But Eric had a crush on her. Because, of course, I mean, she's the most popular girl, all the things. And that just made him even more sad and mad. Like, he was like, I know I'll never get anyone like Marnie because, you know, life was out to get him. So just keep that in mind. Now, fast forward a few days later or like a week later. And the same username popped up with a message and it was like, hi, Eric. Now, his username was not like Eric1234. Yeah. So it kind of stunned him because he was like, "Mm, this is anonymous. I mean, we know now like shit's not anonymous really. But, you know, back then we all thought it was like we were safe behind our computers. Like, you know, no one could get us. We could talk to all the strangers and it'd be fine. But he was like, all right, sure, sure, sure. They know my name. It's fine. Like. It's probably a friend. 
But they were like, hey, about this game, do you want to try it out? And there was a link. So he clicked it. It didn't pop up a porn site or anything like that, but it did pop up a window and it was something called the contract. So you had to sign this contract to try out this new game. And also there was like a member's chat room and Eric said he noticed that like the screen names and things that people were saying, like they were lawyers, doctors, police officers, like people who had authority and power. And like there was a guy who was like, he was a millionaire, you know, all of this. And so he was like, damn, these people are legit and like have made something of their lives. Oh my God. And now mind you, he's 16 and we all know that usernames mean shit because you can use anything. To him, this signified that these important people were playing this game. Like it had to be legit, you know? And because here's the thing, you sign the contract, you play the game, and it promised that your life would never be the same. Like good things would start to happen. It promised that, you know, fortune would favor you. So there was like a lawyer who said like ever since they had signed the contract, they've never lost a case, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. like testimonial. And so he was amazed and he was like, I won't in on this. I need this. But then the message from that same person came up and was like, okay, do you want to do this? Do you want to take it to the real world? And Eric was like, who are you? Like, you know, what, what is this? And the person said, someone who knows you. And so Eric was like, oh, shit, this is just a fucking prank. You know, like Mm -hmm. one of my friends, whatever. But then he was like, wait, they're not sophisticated enough to pull off like this chat room thing, like all this. So he was like, huh, okay, whatever. But he signed out, closed, you know, the chat off, whatever. Well, he signed off and closed the chat out. Words. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, you know, he had like read the chat room, the reviews and everything. And so he was like, I'm intrigued and I don't think my friends, you know, could pull this off. So let me see what's going on. So a few days later on his way to school, Eric saw this sleek black car because he was really into cars and stuff. So he stopped, he looked at it for a bit, and that's when he felt a hand on his shoulder. And he turned around to face this really tall, well-dressed man. And Eric said, like, this man carried himself and he you know, just like looked successful. The man asked Eric if he liked the car and, you know, Eric was probably like, hell yeah. And probably said some car lingo shit that I don't know, you know, like the carburetor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I was going to say the the piston engine with the four horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. But, you know, they were like, ooh, 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 blah, blah, blah. So Eric was like, how'd you score this? Like, what's going on? What's your secret? And the man just kind of like smirked, like got in his car, smirked. And then looked down at Eric and was like, you already know the secret, don't you? And Eric's like, no, the fuck I don't, but okay. And he's like, it's not about money. It's about the power that you're looking for. And Eric was like, fuck yeah, it is. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, that's why he played those games. And, you know, he just loved the powerful characters he could play. Because in real life, he wasn't that person. So Eric was like, this is a fucking sign. Like, The successful guy, he's saying all these things. I'm going to play this fucking game. This is going to be like the ultimate high. So he got on his computer that night. The mysterious messenger asked him if he was still interested. And Eric was like, yep, 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 yep. So the man. Okay, little foot. Shit. (laughs) Or Sarah. That was. Yeah, that was Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a sad movie. Don't bring it up. It's so sad. Why do we have trauma? Disney. 
Oh, and it all started with that fucking horse and the damn quicksand mud. Oh, from, from Never, Never Ending, Ending Story. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you said, what's the saddest cartoon, what would you say? Fox and the Hound. Me too. That's what I was going to say. Hands down, Fox and the Hound. Like, there's no question. No, right? Like, so bad. <laughs> anyway, like, and I'm like, replayed it in my head right now. God, I could probably tear up. Also, though, Up is really sad to me too. But it don't hold a candle to Fox and the Hound. No. Poor Todd. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, sorry. Woo! Tangent. So Eric's like, yeah, send me the link, all the things. And so they're like, yeah, here's another link, though, and you have to sign this contract, you know, print it out. So Eric was like, okay, I'll sign the contract, you know, like, makes sense. And the user was like, it's a blood pact. What? This is sketchy, sketchy, sketchy. (laughs) Which meant... You know, he had to sign his name in blood. So Eric was a little freaked out, but he was like, okay, this is a fully immersive game. Like, okay, okay, like you're getting into it. I can dig that, you know? So he printed it out and it had like a whole ritual basically to do. Like gather some candles, prick your fingers, sign your name on the line. And then you had to burn the paper with one of the candles. No. And Eric said he remembers watching that paper burn and thinking like, could this be real? Like, maybe for the first time in my life, something's going to be real and I can get that power. You know, like, just putting all of those intentions and those thoughts while he's seeing this paper burn. So giving it more and more and more power? Yeah. And he's like, you know, it seemed like this league of powerful men and that's what Eric wanted to be. Eric said it was like he snapped his fingers and everything was different. The next day... You know, he was at school and, like, people talked to him more. Where he would normally have made a D on a test, he made an A without even trying. He said that he had so much more confidence in himself, you know, that he hadn't had before. And that helped him change a bit. You know, he started dressing differently. And Ashley, his sister, was like, he started dressing like he came from money. Then he started, you know, again to gain more friends. He became popular. And so Eric was like, okay, let's see if this blood pact is really real then. Because, like, you know, he's thinking it this time. He's like, what the Freaky Friday's going on? Because the people who never talk to me are talking to me, you know, all the things. So he was like, if it's real, Marnie, remember the cheerleader, she's going to go out with me then. So he passed her a note basically asking, you know, check yes or no, like the George Strait song. And she answered yes. She wanted to go on a date with him. So Eric was like, holy fucking shit, because Marnie did not give him the time of day before, and now she wants to go out and on a date with him. So this blood pact was legit, and it was giving him everything he wanted. However, after a while, Eric said he noticed some things were changing, and like in a different way. He started receiving messages that were like, hey, you need to find recruits. Like, you like this game, don't you? Like, you should go help your friends feel the same way. And so basically, like, the MLM of it all, you know, like, yeah. you just got this wonderful thing. Go tell your friends, and they could be great, too. And so Eric did. He said that he did a lot of his recruiting at church. He told people in his youth group about it and how everything was changing for him, you know. And also, I mean, they could see that things had changed for him. But the messages were nonstop about getting recruits and spreading the word about the game. And Eric was like, even though he had gotten everything he wanted— Shit started getting to him because he felt like he was being watched 24-7. 
He would start to hear voices. And at first, they didn't make sense. But soon, he could understand those voices clearly. And they would tell him to do evil things. Like one time, his mom said he shouldn't go out one night because he had been out too many times that week. And he said, like, while he was standing there next to her, the voices were telling him to slit her throat so she couldn't talk to him like that. Oh, my God. Like, real scary shit. And so he said, like, he felt like he was possessed by something and it was evil. This was later confirmed when he was at church and he started feeling weird. And like every time something was said about the Lord, you know, it kind of made him a little queasy. And, you know, he's just like, okay, whatever. And him and Marnie are sitting next to each other because at this point they're dating. And, you know, he's just like, what's going on? This is weird. But then he remembers there was this little girl in front of him on like the next pew. And he was just looking at her and the voices just kept talking to him like and just like overloading him. And he said that the voices were saying to kill her, like stab her in the neck. And so he had a pencil in his hand because him and Marnie had been writing notes back and forth during the service, you know, on the pamphlet that they would hand Mm -hmm. out. Because, I mean, I know I wrote shit on it, but he felt like his fingers just like gripped that pencil harder. And like, you know, they were kind of like digging into him because he was gripping it so tight. And he was, you know, just kept hearing those voices over and over. Kill, kill, kill. Stab her in the neck. Stab her in the neck. And, you know, he faulted. He was like visibly like, like, you know what I mean? Just like stressing out. And he finally, you know, was able to overcome this urge to kill this little girl in front of him. But after the service, he said he took it out on his car. He was like hitting the dash. He was crying. He was screaming like, what is going on? Because Marnie was like, the fuck is going on with you, dude? Like at the service, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But he's now at the end of his rope. Like, okay, this is like not even just like teenage angst anymore. Like this was a normal like little girl that I've never seen in my life. And like I wanted to fucking kill her, you know? Yeah. And he was finally like. This has just gone on too long. I've had enough. And it wasn't long after that that Marnie broke up with him. And he said, like, he thinks she recognized the darkness that was in him. And he said that one night he was asleep and he woke up to a tall man in black standing at his bed. And there was a deep voice coming from the man. And it was like, we had a deal. Don't disobey orders. But then he woke up and he was like, oh, shit, that was a realistic nightmare. But okay, you know, like, you know what? I'm going to get right with God again. So he asked to be baptized. Now, he said that while he was underwater, he heard screaming and they were saying like the voices were saying this was his last warning, how they were going to kill him if he went through with this and all of that. But when he came back up out of the water, he felt different. The world around him was quiet for the first time in a while. There were no voices or anything, no urges, nothing. And after that, Eric thought he was cured. You know, his life kind of returned to normal and he figured that was the end of that. However, it seems, you know, the devil is always going to come to collect and there's no way around that. So when Eric told this to Pastor Danny Owens, he was like, well, that didn't work, did it? And Eric's like, I thought that it would, it did. Like, you know, I mean, he was 16 then, 22 now, he's fine. He didn't hurt anyone. He hadn't heard the voices. But he was like, yeah, no, it saved you. But that evil is still lurking here and waiting. 
And when Eric moved out and Ashley and her family moved in, it set its eyes on someone else, Gage. And so the only way to rid this was to cleanse the house and the family. So they all agreed to it, you know, and Eric kept apologizing for, you know, keeping this secret and, you know, like never, you know, saying anything. I mean, hey, I thought I might be possessed and so I wanted to get baptized. That's why. Just Right. You this know. was like a whole fucking movie saga that he had and he <laughs> told nobody. I know. And that just reminds me of like all the shows today where it's like the teens are out there doing all the shit and I'm like, they haven't told anybody. I know. Like on Pretty Little Liars, I'd be like, tell someone. Yes. Ugh. So Pastor Danny was like, I don't know why, but that just goes together. <laughs> so I Pastor keep Danny. Yeah. Pastor Danny Owens. But he was like, all right, let's do it. And so he started like cleansing, you know, saying all the things, doing all the things. And he gets around the house. Everything's fine. Gets around all the people there. Everything's fine. But he got to Eric and Eric started kind of growling like my stomach does. And he wasn't acting like himself. And he was, suddenly was very strong, too. Not saying that he wasn't a strong guy. It was like, how the fuck did you just do that kind of strength, you know? Mm -hmm. And it ended up taking both the pastor and Eric's dad, Bill, to hold him down. Because he was, like, lunging at Pastor Danny Owens. So Pastor Danny Owens told them, like, we need to perform an exorcism right now. Like, I didn't think it was this bad, but holy fuck. I mean, he didn't say that, obviously. Yeah, and meanwhile, know. he's probably like, okay, what? Shit, I think I missed that day. What did they say to do? <laughs> so he requested a bowl of water and a washcloth. So he prayed over the water and all of the things, you know, made it holy water. And he soaked the washcloth in the water. And he was asking for blessings and the power to heal Eric to rid him of this evil, you know, like banish the hold it had on him. And this went on for a bit. And the family said that Eric's eyes went black and he didn't look like himself for a minute. And I mean, honestly, like, if you think about it, like his eyes went kind of dark, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be pitch black or whatever. But then his body went limp. And the pastor was like, oh, fuck. Did I push this too far? Because again, like you said, I didn't pay attention to that, mm-hmm. you know, like, didn't think I'd ever have to actually do an exorcism. Well, and we know about cases like this, that it's an exorcism that have gone to court because the person has died. Right. Yes. And so he's like, fuck. I'm sure he even said fuck at that point in his head. Okay. <laughs> but then Eric came back fully awake and he was like, I feel lighter. And everyone agreed like the air was lighter and, you know, all of that. And luckily, he's been okay since. And the rest of his family's been okay. No other issues at all, okay? But? No, 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 no. It's not a but. But Eric's story was on Paranormal Witness, which is where most of this information came from. However, he was also interviewed on a website, jhmoncrief.com. Don't know if I'm saying that last name right. But he said that he's actually now helping with paranormal groups because he knows, like, evil is real. And if he can help anyone, like, that's what he wants to do. But then Amber, his other sister, commented on the post because some people were like, like, I thought this was not real, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, like, she's one of Eric's sisters and that her husband, Mitch, was there the night of the exorcism and that Eric had to be 
you know, physically held down. At one point, he was physically lifted off the ground by an unseen force, you know, and so like they were also like keeping him down so he didn't hurt himself too. And she said, you know, something that wasn't mentioned in the episode is that when this exorcism was happening, all the animals in the neighborhood were going wild. You could hear the dogs barking, you know, like insects chirping or whatever the fuck they do, like all of that. It was just like so much chaos. And some people were affected by it also, but they didn't show that in the episode. And also in the episode, they showed that Kim, his mom, got like pulled underneath the bed and she was like, no, she commented on the post as well. And she was like, no, they like made that more like spectacular. She was like, but I was laying in bed and that's how I got that. Like she was laying in bed with Bill and she felt those arms and stuff. So like it didn't grab her and pull her under the bed. It grabbed her in the bed. But like everything else, she was like some things, you know, like, yeah, that that wasn't true. But she was like other things like we couldn't get everything into it. Like so much other shit happened, you know, and like understand that it doesn't seem real. And like, I'm glad you can't think that it's real. You know, like, I'm glad that you have that doubt. But she was like, look, we were a Christian family. And even though you believe a certain way, you raise your kids a certain way, you really don't have any power over what comes through the internet, what your kids are doing when you're not watching, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was just like, heed our warning. Like, even if you don't think this is real, just listen to this and be like, maybe before I click that link, I might not need to or, you know, whatever. And so I I like that they all were still actively talking about it and stuff. I mean, the contract thing itself was the biggest, like, red flag of all red flags. Yeah. The guy could have figured out who you were just from some basic web sleuthing. I mean, nothing that I can do because I'm not that smart. Well, and this was 1998, so it wasn't as easy as it is now. Right. You definitely had to ask Jeeves and shit. Dog pile, if you remember that one. Yes, and then there was a grandma one. Yeah, yo, yo, yo. No. Yo, grandma, I thought, or something like that. That doesn't sound Yo, like. yo, ma, no. <laughs> I remember it, though. Yeah. Well, okay, so the contract was a red flag, and then somebody showing up in your real life, like, with the car thing, to be like, do you know the answer. Like, we're not on the fucking Matrix. Like, this is not. <laughs> Those are, like I said, the huge red flags that are like, yeah, this is bad. You should run. Oh, also, I will say that someone had commented on that post that he was interviewed on and was like, I mean, not to be rude, but like, did you consult a doctor at all ever, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he said that at one point he did, like, he did, like, talk to someone about it because he did seem like hearing voices and was homicidal. Yeah. Yeah. He thought maybe something's wrong with yes. me, but like they didn't diagnose him with anything or anything like that. And he hasn't had that since. I mean, who am I to say if that what this family experienced wasn't real, but it is a lot though. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, part of me is like, you never know because strange shit happens in the world. Like one, like our human body is fucking weird. You know, like you can't explain shit. Like, some things can be explained, some things can't, you know? But in my head, I'm like, it's just, what if we think something that is, you're hearing voices, cool, like, you need to be on this medicine or whatever. But what if it is something else? 
that is a slippery slope for people who are actually hearing voices that it's not something else. No, I know. I know. But like, who am I to say that it couldn't have that possibility to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On certain things. I don't know. Hell, I have all the symptoms of like PCOS, but I can't be diagnosed with it. Like every test comes back negative. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, that's what I mean. Not to say anything about mental illness or anything like that because i get that that's legit and yeah you're not like don't take your medicine it's yeah. probably the matrix <laughs> that's all i can think of <laughs> but literally like they did dress in suits and stuff yeah. so like i feel like it is men in black hadn't come out yet they didn't have the bloop, bloop. <laughs> but also i feel like you know people who are religious are more prone to believe that you know and so who knows Hey, is it who knows and you're not sure? <laughs> also, though, this is totally not on subject, but in my head, it makes sense because I was like, hey, watch out for strangers kind of thing on the Internet. I saw on TikTok, but it's that one guy who like he'll do like the green screen and show you something that's going on. And like he talks about it and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. But he had put out this thing and these girls were at a movie theater and they were playing a video game, but like it's one of those that you like kind of go into. And so they're like in the box, mm-hmm. you know? And it looked like a hella fun game. Like they were shooting people. And so like they had remember at Disney World where it's like you shoot the space invader kind of thing, like the Toy Story. Mm-hmm. So you're like shooting things. That was it. I mean, or like Big Buck Hunter, all of that, you know, like you're just shooting this shit. Wow. Couldn't say that. But it's two young girls, and they're, like, obviously young, you know? And she was recording them on a phone Mm -hmm. because, like, you know, ooh, this is fun, exciting, you know, all the things. You could see this man in the background because there's, like, a window in the back of it. And, like, they're in the arcade at the movie theater. And you see this man, and then, like, he, like, looks into it, and, like, they don't notice him because they're playing the game. And then he comes to the side and he scares them because there's a fucking man there. Yeah. And like, she's like, whoa. And he's like, oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. And they're like, okay, okay. You know, he's like, do y'all like to read? And they're like, nope. <laughs> I'm playing the game, you know? And then you see another man come. What? And that man did look really weird. But one comment said, you can't tell me that second man isn't a vampire. <laughs> but... He came around the other side and he was saying something to the other one, like, but she like just kind of like, man, no, whatever. But then another one of their friends had come back from the bathroom. That was you. And she like got in. And so she was like, what? And she was like, oh, I was just recording. I was playing the game. But like, what? And so they were like calling out to be like, do you know these two men? Because like you could clearly see their face when they like, were like, woo, into yeah. the thing. And I think some people like, were able to talk about it. Like, hey, I do know that person and that's so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. That was so scary. Just like, they're just minding their business playing in the fucking arcade. And like, to hear the man, like, he didn't know he was being recorded and they didn't until like, they had like, got really far in there and then they noticed that the camera was still going. Like, they didn't just have their phone propped up, you Mm -hmm. know? And so then they left. No telling what they would have done. No, but like, do you like to read? Like, you don't just randomly ask someone like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to, oh, well, I got some books. Oh, I could do this. Oh, oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, sorry. I just saw that this morning and I forgot to send that to you. That's scary. All right. Let's see if Carrie is going to do an old story. You know what? (laughs) I did have to look because I will tell you, because there's lots of videos of interviews from this story. This is the story about Angela Simpson. And when I saw some of the videos, I was like, I know her. Like, I mean, not personally, but like, I recognize this woman. Like, I was like, have I done this? And then it dawned on me why I know her because I remember something else. But I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I really did panic. I was like, are you fucking serious? Okay, so we're going to go back. Picture it. August 2009, we're in Phoenix, Arizona. My birthday month. It is right around your birthday, too. So police get a call that there is a trash can, like a residential trash can, that's on fire. And so everybody goes to the scene to try to figure out what's going on. And in the trash can, they find burned remains. So some testing... I've seen some where it's fingerprints, and then I also heard some places that they didn't have fingerprints. Either way, bada-bing, bada-boom, forensic things happened, and they were able to identify the victim in the trash can as Terry Neely. Now, Terry was a 46-year-old man who lived in an assisted living very close by. Everything keeps calling it an assisted living, and the stuff about Terry isn't very clear, Because it says that he was confined to a wheelchair and he used like a a motorized wheelchair to kind of get around the neighborhood. So he was able to leave the assisted living, which, duh, you can do that. But I don't know. It just it felt more group homey than assisted living. But I have absolutely no idea. But for all intents and purposes, you know, some stuff said he was paralyzed, but it seemed more like. He had some sort of physical disability in which he used the wheelchair when he was out and about the community, but he could walk. This is important for a reason later. Otherwise, why do we care what assistive device this guy uses? But it is important for later. So the police start digging to see, you know, who is Terry Neely? Where was he last seen? And it should be noted, the assisted living facility did put out a missing person report for him because he had actually been missing for a couple of days when his body was found in the trash can. So the police went back to the assisted living and they had some security footage that showed Terry leaving on August 22nd at like 8 p.m. Now, I feel like every assisted living I know like closes the doors after a certain time. So again, that's why I'm like, he left at 8 p.m. Kind of feels more like a group home. Because we do know that Terry has had some run-ins with the law in the past. So I just, I don't know. But again, I feel like I'm harboring on a moot point that I'm just like, this just sticks with me where I'm like, really where? I don't know. I just want to know. Okay. That place that we had our senior project. Yeah. Assisted living. Okay. But they didn't lock the doors, did they? We went at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just saying, I don't think they did. But they didn't leave them open at midnight. They didn't leave them open late at night because that's for the safety of the residents too. Yeah. I mean, any place locks their doors after a certain time, you know? Yeah. And he may have been able to kind of come and go, but, you know, he's only 46, too. So even though he is potentially in an assisted living, he's not, like, on the Alzheimer's unit, you know? Right. Because when you were saying that, I was just more picturing, like, a convalescent home. Is that what they're called? Yeah, I would say nursing home, but yeah. I wanted to sound smart, apparently. (laughs) Or from the 90s, but okay. (laughs) But anyway, so that's what I was picturing. But then I was like, wait, what about that place that we did our thing? 
what she's talking about is what fucking senior project? What are y'all talking about? So our senior year, it was like the year or two before us, they don't even do it anymore. All seniors to be able to graduate had to come up with this huge project and you had to spend at least like, I can't remember how many hours on it. Like, I think we ended up spending like 40 and we were like triple what we had to be. I think it was like 10 hours. So it had to be something that you could attach a research paper to. And then you had to be able to do like this 10 hour project. So Donna and I being as codependent as we are, did ours (laughs) together. And for some reason, they approved it. And so Donna wrote a paper on volunteerism. Yep. And in true Carrie fashion, I wrote a paper on elder abuse. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that part. (laughs) So we did our project. We did a Valentine's Day dance at an assisted living. And it was a disaster. We went the night before and like hung up all this stuff. We made a banner and we did the word stupid. So it made no sense. Like instead of saying fly on Cupid's wings, it said fly Cupid's own wings. Uh-huh. And then. We um, tried to stagger them. Yeah. And then it, it was fun though. We did have a lot of fun. and like, uh, we went, But we also learned that we don't work well together no, on we projects like that. But like we went to my grandma's house and like listened to all of her like old songs on her records and like made a playlist that we downloaded from LimeWire put it on a CD. (laughs) And then when I hit play, I hit repeats because it was going to be a long event. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, ooh, we need to, it's only like 10 songs. Like, let's repeat this bitch. No. I repeated the first song like six times before we realized like the Andrews sisters have been going for 45 minutes straight. God, God, good times, man. (laughs) So I was like, oh, let me undo that. (laughs) Imagine that. It was fun, though. It was. But remember when you had to, like, go knock on all their doors to be like, hey, we're having a Valentine's Day dance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I don't want to go into old people's homes. Why did you do this project? You do not like old people. No. I was really about volunteerism, though. <laughs> you were. Like, I didn't even know that word. And you're like, I'm going to do a paper on volunteerism. <laughs> so some time goes by, like, a few weeks go by without a lot of leads. But then one day, police get a tip. They get a call from someone that says, hey, I found this abandoned wheelchair outside of this apartment building. So the police go over to check it out, and it's clearly Terry's wheelchair. So they start looking at all of the apartments within this little complex. And I think it was like one building. It was not, we're not talking like 400 apartments. We're talking like less than 10, I think. Made those numbers up, but based on what I saw. So there was one apartment that looked pretty empty that the police made their way in and they found basically a bottle of bleach on the counter and that the carpets had been removed. This looks like where the murder probably happened. So they start, you know, doing their forensic things again and they find some blood and it comes back that it is Terry's blood. Now, eventually, the apartment manager tells police that they had seen smoke coming from that apartment. And when they went in to be like, knock, 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 like, what the fuck is going on? When they opened the door, they saw a city trash can in the kitchen. Now, there were two people in the apartment, Angela Simpson and a guy named Edward McFarland, who goes by Cracker. Now, the two of them asked if they could borrow the apartment manager's car. So the apartment manager tells police that Angela had told them that she had killed Terry 
And basically, you say a word and you're next. So the police go try to find Angela and Cracker, and they find that actually they're already in jail. They had been arrested for an armed robbery that happened like the day after Terry's murder. So the police go to question Angela in prison. Now, at first, she's like, meh. And then I heard, I listened to two podcasts on this. One was called, well, spoiler alert, because I already said this is about Angela, but called Sisters That Kill. And then the other one was called Mile Higher Podcast. On the Mile Higher Podcast, they said that she started talking to police because she was like, all right, you give me a candy bar and a, like a Coke and I'll talk. And then on the other podcast, they said that she was like, specifically, like, give me a Snickers and I'll tell you the truth. Literally, that's me. Okay. So what would your candy bar be? I don't think I would be like, I'll tell you everything for a candy bar. Well, you haven't been in jail. But I mean, negotiate something like, <laughs> okay, put me in this jail, put me in or this prison, put me in that, you know, like you got to use it to your advantage. But like, what would your candy bar be? Ooh, it depends. Because, you know, I like to peruse the shelf to see which is the biggest. I know. But probably a Milky Way. Snickers really does sound good. And because even though I love Reese's, there's no crunch to it. Mm -hmm. So I would want... God, we're so fat. (laughs) I'd want the almond Snickers king size. Those are called shareable size now, Donna. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I like Snickers ice cream bars. I don't like regular Snickers. Oh, I do like those too. Mm Mm-hmm. This is why we get reviews. Okay, so this is what she tells police. And they can corroborate this based on Terry's body, that these are things that actually happened to him. So Terry and Angela knew each other. Terry had a bit of a drug problem in the past. And so I don't really understand what their arrangement was, but they knew each other and kind of used each other for sex and drugs and some sort of arrangement. Angela did work as a sex worker, and I guess Terry had some money, and so, you know, they would make exchanges. So the apartment, though, that all of this went down was on the second floor. So that's why I'm like, Terry had to be able to walk some, because he walked up to that apartment to you know, whatever their arrangement was. They didn't have an elevator? Girl, no, this is like low-income housing. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Most apartments that are just two floors don't anyway. So Angela thought that Terry was a snitch because Terry, I feel like, was one of those very boastful people that was like looking for a way to be like, I'm so cool, I'm so street smart. I've gotten all of these people convicted. And there's interviews with Angela later where she was essentially, in words that I can't say, said basically, like, you picked the wrong bitch. Like, you don't say that to me because I don't fucking do snitches. And in interviews, she says, like, he got someone righteous convicted, and so he had to pay. Don't agree with that, but that's just what she said. God, so I've been trying to think if I knew this case because it sounded familiar. Oh, yeah. But right then when you said that, I was like, Oh. You've seen it on TikTok. Yep. Yeah, this this pretty much blew up on TikTok because people were like doing duets or whatever with like mouthing it and stuff. So once Terry got to the apartment, Angela kept him and tortured him for three days. What the fuck? She beat him with a tire iron. Oh, no. She stabbed him over 50 times. What the fuck? 
she hammered a three-inch nail into his head. Oh, fuck. And pulled his teeth out one by one. Nope, nope. With needle nose pliers. Uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. Terry was alive, from what I gather, for all of that. What the fuck? He was eventually killed by strangulation using a television cord. So like a power cord, I think. A couple of things said that she had slashed his throat, but then some other stuff didn't say that. So I don't really know. But most things seem to say that the strangulation is what killed him. Now... To make matters worse, because that torture is awful. Literally torture. She put a mirror in front of Terry, and he had to watch her do all those things in the mirror. Are you fucking kidding me? Basically, was because, like, you're a snitch. You deserve this. Like, you have to watch this happening to you. So after Terry was murdered, Angela dismembered his body, put him in the trash can, and then put it outside, like, to set it, like, set it on fire. So Angela confessed everything. Really, the the only excuse that she has, or the only reason for killing him that she has, was that he was a snitch. Now, Angela has, well, we don't know much about her background. We do know that by the age of 10, she already had a mental illness diagnosis, could not find what it was. I'm guessing something, you know, because I'm a psychologist and all. I'm guessing something like borderline personality. Like, she's got a lot going on, though. That is definitely not going to be the only thing that she has. But she was already, by the age of 10, in and out of institutions. And she was in the foster care system where she was in and out of multiple houses as well. So she had absolutely no stability, had a mental illness diagnosis of who knows what, and had just a really hard life with a lot of physical and sexual abuse. We do know that she early on, like in her late teens and 20s, started using drugs as like her own coping mechanism. She did have four kids, but she doesn't talk about the kids. Like it's like when interviewers would be like, so like you have kids and she's like, I'm not talking about the kids. I did hear on that Mile Higher podcast, they said her kids had gone to live with her mother. But then I'm like, they went to live with her mother and she's in and like it was it maybe one of her foster parents because I don't know. But I don't even know how they knew that because I saw nothing about the kids. Like, she will not talk about the kids other than to say she had four. So this is how I know her, though. We'll talk about some of the interviews and stuff, though. But this is how I know her. She was on an episode of Lockup in, like, 2010. I fucking watched that episode. Like, I remember her from Lockup. Oh, my gosh. So you, there's, like, a, a pretty good clip on YouTube about it. But basically, she was... And I remember this prison guard. Like, I watched this episode probably multiple times. The prison guards were like, well, I think at this point she was still in jail. She hadn't been sentenced or anything like that yet. So at this point, she's still in jail. And the Maricopa County Jail. I remember this guard being like, she is the only inmate in here that I feel like there is absolutely no time that I can let my guard down with her. Like, in one of her interviews, she's talking about, like, how much she hates police. Like, there's, she says there's three people that it's like that deserve to die pedophiles, snitches. And she said, This is the only time she said anything about her kids other than I have four. She said, Yeah, when my kids were little, there was a man shitting outside of a gas station. And she said, She told him that's where cops grow. Like, that's how cops grow. What the fuck? Yeah. And then she like makes a joke and then they were doing it the next day. I didn't, you know. So she's so like, not stoic, like some of it you can tell is fake about how 
she's like tries to be so scary and so like the shock value of what she says like that like saying that police grow from shit from you know somebody else that kind of stuff but some of it i think is real and i'm sure that some of that is her mental illness too that like she truly feels no remorse for killing terry and she's quoted saying like do you feel like guilty or do you feel bad or whatever? She's like, the only thing I feel bad is that I didn't get a chance to kill more snitches. Like she has zero remorse. Yeah. Like she even says like, I don't have any fucks to give. But in that lockup, the guard is like, you cannot like break protocol with her. She hates us. And like, she will kill again. Like in one of the interviews, cause she was interviewed by CNN and in the interviews, like they're like, would you kill again? She's like, yeah, if I got a chance. I remember that one. Yeah. In one of the interviews, they were like, because there's no, like, evidence through police that Terry ever snitched on anybody. Like, police are like, he was not an informant. We have no record of him ever being a witness for anything. And so they're like, so what if he wasn't really a snitch? And she goes, oops. Yes, I remember that. But she talks about how, like, when she got Terry to come into the apartment, she's like, he walked. He was like, everybody acting like that motherfucker can't walk. And he walked fine to my apartment. Like, he's lying yeah. to, you know. But that's why I think he has some sort of, maybe even like a chronic condition where he can walk, but then he gets tired quickly, you know. Yeah. So, like, that's why I bring up, like, his assisted device and can he walk and stuff. Because she even brings that up, like, as if he was playing people. But I do want it to be said that not all chronic illnesses are visible. Right. So, you know, but also... Terry was a bit of a con man, too, so who knows? Angela was sentenced to life in prison with, like, an extra 14 years attached to it. She's in prison now and still living and literally will never get out again. Thank God. Yes. That just sucks that Terry... Because who knows? We don't really know much about Terry, so maybe he had something where he was, like, a pathological liar. Right. You know? I really think he was trying to make himself look more important on the streets than yeah. he was. And that ain't it, boo. Like, that is not how you do that on the streets. I mean, I don't know shit about the streets and wouldn't survive. But I do know you don't make your way on the streets by saying you snitched on somebody. Yeah. I just hate that that mistake cost him his life. You know? If it did at all. If he even said that at all. We don't know. We yeah. weren't there, you know? Yeah, she literally could have just wanted to do it. Well, and the reason why I say, like, I think some of it is kind of fake is that in one of the interviews, like at the end, like this is after she's been like, oops, you know, has no remorse. Like I have zero fucks to give kind of thing. At the end, she like gets all excited and is like, I think that was good. You think that was good? Make me look good. You know, and it's like, yeah, it was like a switch was flipped, which again, could be personality disorder. Right. Could be she's trying to make herself look so hard because she go in life in prison. You know, right now she's still in jail. But I will say, though, she did say when they were like, do you like, how do you feel about being in life in prison, all of this? And she's like, I have a lot of sisters in prison. I look forward to seeing them. And they're like, do you think justice was served? And she was like, no, I should have gotten the death penalty. And they're like, did you want the death penalty? She was like, no, but I should have gotten it. She's like, I want to go to prison. She's like, that's not bad for me to be able to go spend the rest of my life with my family in prison. Yeah. Gosh. But you know, she is ruling the roost oh, up in yeah. prison. Like her mouth, she just has a, a very like distinct way that she moves her mouth. And mm -hmm. when I was watching that, one of the interviews that I hadn't seen, I was like, oh, fuck. I recognize her. You know, yeah. how do I know her? 
And then it was like the lockup. And I was like, okay, it all came back to me. Now. I was like, oh my God, I've done this story before. But man, she brutally murdered him. And like yeah. how just she was so, she wasn't remorseful and all of this. So they say that the series Killing Eve is based off of her. Really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I saw that on, I think that was on All That's Interesting that I saw that piece. Huh. Wow. That may have been from Medium. But the other interview said it was from 3TV. I don't really know what that is. But that was because she was interviewed right before she was sentenced. And then like immediately after she was sentenced. And she just was like, can't care. What do you mean 3TV? That's what the thing was called. Like I said, CNN interviewed her. Oh, okay. 3TV. So that's the story of the brutal murder of Terry Neely. And y'all got to go watch these. There's a lot of these videos are on TikTok too. But for sure, YouTube has all of these interviews with her because you just got to see her demeanor to really understand what I'm saying. Like, she's just so stoic, but yet cocky, but yet indifferent, but yet, you know, it's so, I can't explain it, which is, I'm not a psychiatrist. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, she's got a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. But she also really, it seems like, prides herself in, okay, so... On the lockup episode, the corrections officer was saying, like, she almost has, like, a gang mentality where it's, like, snitches get stitches, fuck the police, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't think she was ever in a gang. But I really think she prides herself on, these are the people I don't fuck with, you know, people who, pedophiles, cops, and stitches. But in one of the interviews, they were like, so where do murderers fall on your list? And she's like, what are you talking about? And, like, on your list that you just gave us of, like, bad people, where do murderers fall? And she's like... They don't. She was like, you're going to put murderers on a list with pedophiles, snitches, and cops? They don't go. Wow. They did ask her a very important question, though. I'm glad I finally remember this because I didn't write it down. You know me. They asked her how she felt about the people who, like, the manager of the apartment complex that was, like, I think one of her friends and stuff. And she was like, you know, that was, she does say that was heartbreaking that she thought she had a bond with those people and that. Like, a couple of people went to the police about her. But basically, she was like, I wouldn't kill them, though. And it's like, why? Like, you say that no snitches, but the people who snitched on you, you're saying you wouldn't kill? Like, I don't get it. Because, like, I understand that you had a bond with them. But, like, if you're putting snitches in that category. Yeah. Like, you could put a little asterisk by it and be like, except unless I know them. It's like, it shows that she's human. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, that like, I don't know. Y'all, I really encourage y'all to go watch those videos because it's not mannerisms, but just her, her demeanor. Yeah, that word that I said 10 minutes ago. Give me credit. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> well, y'all let us know what y'all think about these stories. Did that shit really go down in Donna's family story? And not my family. Well, you know what I mean? Your family's story. Uh-huh. The story that I did about the family. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Grammar is important. Check out these videos. Let us know what y'all think of Angela. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.